Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, as always, whenever you're watching, wherever you're watching, this is the Arcade Vaults podcast. I am your host this week, Tom Pritchard. I am with my co-host, as I always am, Chris Manasinger. How are you, bud? Hello, I'm good. More lonely we, in here without you. I was say, right, we're remote again, a mixture yeah. of trains and storms. and It's Wales, I don't know what we thought was going to happen. Um, you, you know, there's like... There's upsides and downsides, right? We did we did most of the podcast in the in, for me in this room, for you in your house and stuff. It sucks not being at the arcade when I can't get there. However, if I do this right, I have a dog here. <laughs> and that does. I'm like, cool. Who do I like hanging out with more, the dog or Chris? <gasps> I love hanging out with you, mate. I love hanging out with you. Um, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm speechless. I mean. <laughs> Let, let's be honest here, though. Given the option, would you rather hang out with me or with my dog? Oh, your dog's pretty cool. I'll give you your that. Dog, dog yeah. right? <laughs> Intros, man. They're always long. This is the Arcade Vaults podcast. As I said at the top, every week we get together uh, and we talk about all the big stories and video games. Um, we are back on the move after a little bit of a break, which is cool. Um, yeah, I mean... There's not, it's been a slow week, right? There's a little bit about Star Wars in there. There's a little bit about Mario in there. It's video games. It's video games, right? Should we go into the top stories? Let's go to the top stories. Let's do it. Let's go into the top stories this week. So top stories this week. Like I said, it wasn't. it's not been a manic week, right? It's been a relatively no, calm week. There's just... one big story yep that i guess it, it, as they always do with showcases they become lots of little stories mm-hmm. we'll get to that one for sure um but the first big story this week god it's weird talking about this studio now right so quantic dream are reportedly working on a star wars game yeah now quantic dream some of you may recognize the team who worked on things like uh, heavy rain they worked on fire and height most recently they worked on detroit become human which was a a pretty big first party hit uh, you know they're not first party studio for playstation but it was right. a big first party hit for the platform a big, big fan of that game as well yeah yeah i mean it, it's a decent game but then also there's been a a long long list of controversy with quantic dream uh, along with a lot of other video game studios it seems sometimes video game studios can be a bit gross who knew um I'm surprised i know right um somebody made it was a there was a Twitter video that or a post that went around talking about how great Quantic Dream's writing is, and it was the end of Heavy Rain where um, I want to say it's Ethan, the lead character, is like, uh, both my children are dead and I'm miserable and alone, and then the female character, which they clearly don't know how to write very well, just kind of goes, "It's okay, we'll be happy together and we'll have another baby," and it's like the kid just died. Um, so no, no, sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're a bit uh, ropey. I'll this story you. seems to be built around Star Wars and a new Star Wars venture for them, right? Well, uh, arguably, I, I think they their the quality has 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 evolved from Heavy Rain to Come Human. I think Heavy Rain was okay. Beyond mm. Two Souls was them starting to punch above their weight a little bit in terms of yeah. their casting, and then become human was was probably them starting to reach their actual fulfillment in terms of how, the, the fulfill their actual ambition in terms of their writing and 
ambition. Um, so the hope, I guess, is that Star Wars is going to be great. I don't know. So you would hope, right? But this is what... So we, we've, we've got an article. We pulled an article, and you'll find it in the link, as you always do in our podcast, um, to a Polygon piece. But I've looked at a few pieces and, and read a few bits and pieces about this. What I think is quite uh, interesting is... Like, I remember going as far back as Fahrenheit on the PS2 and then into Heavy Rain, um, Beyond Two Souls, the same. They, they do a really good job of this slightly slower, a little bit more. It's almost like a point and click, but you're not pointing and clicking, you're moving through. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is dialogue based and yeah, quick yeah. time and things like that. A lot of people don't like it, but yeah. I think what they do, they do quite well. Whispers seem to be that they're not making a Star Wars game like that. This is going to be yeah. a flowy third-person action game. It's going to be a bit of a departure for them, hmm. um, which I think for Star Wars and Disney and the Star Wars IP makes sense. Obviously, after Battlefront, they've gone from this, it's just EA. EA don't have exclusivity over Star Wars anymore. Star Wars games yeah. are going to start being made all over the place, and which is exciting. You know, I think Jedi Fallen Order, it seems like we're going to get another one of those with kind of Cal Kestis, and um, yeah, you're only a huge fan of that. I, I kind of, it was all right. It was like... For me, it was it was a salt. All I want from Star Wars games is for them to just be decent Star Wars games. And if every now and again we can get a Knights of the Old Republic, right? Or the like, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It seems, I mean, like I said, Connie Dream out of first party studio either. So them kind of going, well, we're not going to rely on on just Sony, or we're not going to wait for a deal from just Xbox. We're going to latch onto this Star Wars IP, and we're going to make something really big happen there. Mm. That's interesting. Could be exciting. Could be. Um, yeah. I'll play it. Uh, okay. I, I will say this. <laughs> um, I, want, I think, if I remember Detroit Become Human, there were, it was probably the more, the, the more action sort of game out of all of the games they've done. So maybe that's yeah. why they got the sign up for this. this they, they've started to show yeah. that we can do you know, I'm saying content dreams can do all this other stuff. So, but in in the uh, you know the mainstream style games, and <clears throat> it's kind of a bit. Well, it kind of seems a little bit pointless, doesn't it? I mean, like, why? It, their strength is clearly these narrative, you know, path driven narrative games. Yeah, and... I. I don't know. It's just a weird one. Rather. I know they're. I know they're a decent studio. They're not. You know, they're they're not a flop, and it's a studio that makes me go, "Cool, this sounds like it'll be quite awesome, right?" Mm. But also. I'm struggling to grasp what the Star Wars games look like. I yeah. imagine there's going yeah. to be a lot of time spent with Jedi mind tricks, um, talking <laughs> to people and just going, press square to say, these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, well, you know, they, based on stats, you may or may not be good enough to pull off that little trick. Um, yeah. It could be cool. I think the, weirdly, I think the more interesting and exciting thing for it, for me is going, oh, Quantic Dream are doing a Star Wars game and it seems it's not like any of the other games. Because actually, they're kind of at a point now as a studio where, as problematic as they can be, I'm mm. interested to see what they do next. Because they make pretty cool games. This yeah. seems like a departure. I'm more interested to see what their next game looks like than their Star Wars game. Mm. We shall see. We shall see. We shall see. Will you play it? Yeah, I'm. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Star Wars game that just. Gets, gets me going. And maybe this is it. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm, what I'm waiting for is the Star Wars game that makes me forget that we didn't get 
Star Wars fourteen fourteen. Oh yeah. Do you remember the yeah, bounty yeah, hunter yeah, one, right? Yeah, it looked yeah, amazing. Yeah. It looked like an uncharted game. I just yeah, especially in a post Mandalorian world, that game is more that, relevant now. That game would have been awesome than ever. I, ju- yeah. I just yeah. Anyway, Star. That's a whole conversation around Star Wars generally that we could have. But let's 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 yeah let's, for let's... sure. Well, I mean, it's 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 yet another right. It's yeah. yet another game now away from EA with Disney branching out their IPs. Obviously, Idus, so Idus Montreal have been announced as the guys that are working on. The Knights of the Old Republic remake. Yeah. Who, on one hand, their most recent Disney IP is Marvel's Avengers. Tick the box. Yes, he mentioned it on the podcast. <laughs> I'll move on. But they're also the guys that made the Tomb Raider games, yeah. right? So, like, as much as their most recent game is not just a flop, but a a long continuous flop over an ex- over a year now. A long the continuous Tomb flop. A great. <laughs> You know, the Tomb Raider games are fantastic. So, um, so yeah, there's a couple of interesting games coming out. EA are probably going to be doing their thing as well. So, good things for Star Wars fans. I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars nerd. I'm excited yeah, about it. We'll see. Um, next story. So, you dropped this one in. And I did. I'm interested to get your thoughts on it. Because it's one where we could probably butt heads a little bit, potentially. I don't know. But, so, Hitman has come to GOG. So, it's the... The first Hitman one, right? The first Square Enix Hitman game. It, yeah, yeah. The it's made its way to GOG. Right. right. And now, yeah. yeah. So uh, okay, so um, uh, there's two sort of ways to look at this. So, so the problem is here. What's happening is it's come to GOG and it's getting review bombed because uh, the whole point of GOG is uh, it's DRM free. You know, PC games without DRM, DRM no DRM, DRM no DRM. That's DRM's a thing, right? It's a big deal for PC gamers. Oh God. And the Hitman games have an online element that uh, that you have. You basically have to be online to progress progress in the game. It's you know arguably impossible to progress in this part of the game without being online because yeah, that's the only way you can level up. I I don't play the game, so I don't really understand it, but <laughs> that's the general gist of it. And because of that, it's considered DRM by the gamers of got on, on GOG, and so they review bombed it because they say, well, this game's got DRM in it. And <clears throat> I I don't know. I feel I feel like that's slightly unfair because the Hitman get those Hitman games were critically acclaimed. Um, you know, and so got GOG have frozen uh reviewing on the game at this point. Um and now the community have hit back and gone, well, you know, for where our speech is being oppressed or some some such thing like that. It's all, uh, yeah, it's all a bit... It's, it feels really... It, I'm struggling to work out who messed up here. Yeah. Because one of the three parties, be that the, the gamers reviewing, the developers, or GOG, someone's messed up somewhere. Yeah. Like, the Hitman games are great. But my thing with PC has always been that I, you know, I'm primarily a console gamer, right? So whatever PlayStation put on my PlayStation, that's what I have. And yeah. those are the rules that I abide by. The PC is by by design, right? And by it's part of the reason people love PC gaming culture is that it's open. You can have multiple storefronts, right? You can have Epic and Steam and GOG and everything else. So I, I guess in my head what I'm struggling is it seems like this game has been put on GOG, and because of the very way that this game is structured, it doesn't adhere to the standards, the ethics, the practices, and I guess the 
the USP, the, u- the unique selling point of GOG.com, mm. it doesn't appeal to that, right? It's like going, oh, well, games need to be... We need to be able to play them offline and be DRM-free. Yeah. But if you put an online game on there, by default, they, they don't apply. And I'm kind of struggling to work out who who's wrong and why, because it's not a development fault. The game is designed like that. They're not saying there's this stuff in place so that you can't play it because rah, 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 don't, don't defraud the games, don't steal them, whatever. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Said, well, the game mechanically is structured for online play, right? Mm, Things like yeah. the leaderboards and um they they kind of have their uh you know they have periodical missions that come up and stuff in the missions and, yeah. and things like that so it has to be there it's gone on gog everyone's gone wild about it but it almost makes me think well i don't blame gog.com for putting the game on their storefront because it's a great game i think there's a 70 percent discount on it on gog.com at yeah. the minute which is a great value prospect for Absolutely. a fantastic game they want it there but from a pc gaming point of view it's like well i'm gonna go to steam or Epic, or any of the other storefronts I can, I'm going to play the game, and I'm going to review it well, because it's a great game, and I'm happy with it. However, if the same game turns up on this other storefront on my PC, well, that's an... I'm not happy now. Pitchforks and torches, and that's despicable. How dare they? Like, I understand that, I guess, for GOG users who maybe are... They they really appreciate that framework for GOG of DRM-free not always having to be online, those things that really matter to them, it might be a little bit of a red flag for them to go, oh, well, we always came here because there was something that we knew we were safe with. And this game, by default, doesn't offer that safety. Mm-hmm. I'm glad the game's here, but it goes against the, I guess the ideological... Ideological, yeah, I was going to say ideological. Umbrella the GOG falls under, right? <clears throat> But this is there's there's inherently two questions here. I think I think I was trying to say it uh, successfully. The um, <laughs> the the question is yes, you're right. Should the game have been on there in the first place? Does it fall into the ethics of it? And if you take that aside, though, I think the bigger question is the and this is a wide implication of the problem that that PC gaming in particular is suffering from at the moment, and that is how reviews are weaponized uh, as as uh, yeah, I basically had the weaponized. But you know, it's it's not just. I don't think it's a problem that just gaming has. Actually, I think it's a problem in film as well, isn't it? Uh, and movies. The, the whole way that the social masses uh, tend to express their displeasure at some aspect of the thing that they're reviewing, rather than the thing itself. Uh, so, I mean, we're what we're less than a week away from from the new Bond movie, right? Yeah, I am waiting. With bated breath, it seems like in that movie, based off the trailer, I can never remember the actress's name for the life of me, um, but they're introducing a new double O agent. Yes, yes. And it I seems see. like she's a very strong, kick-ass, like, powerful black woman in this movie yeah. alongside Bond. She's probably going to make Bond look like a bit of a bitch a couple of times, and that's going to be by design for the character. Mm-hmm. How quickly do I think certain kinds of people with certain kinds of perspectives and views on the world are going to absolutely batter that movie for it. Yeah. And it's not because there's anything wrong, it's because they don't agree with what it is. Yeah. And, and I think I think you're right. Like the sort of I guess it's a weird mixture of the tribalism that everyone has mixed with the fact that the internet is relatively open and freedom of speech is crucial there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's that's how <laughs> the internet's structured. So if you don't manage that, then you're in a bit of a like a bit of a pickle. Like I was just looking through the article here and Obviously, this issue has been raised a few times. But then, 
Uh, I'm going to absolutely butcher this name. So it's Gabriela Siemjankovic. Siemjankovic. Apologies in advance. Um, I think she goes through the forum as, as as Chandra, which would have been an easy one for me to say. But she essentially says, and this seems in line with Garg, thank you for bringing this topic to our attention. We're looking into it and we'll be updating you in the coming weeks. In case you purchase Hitman and you are not satisfied with the release version, you can use your right to refund the game. At the same time, while we're open for meritful discussion and feedback, we will not tolerate review bombing and we'll be removing posts that do not follow our guidelines. Now, that's there, but then right underneath there's another comment in this piece from her saying we will not remove reviews like that, only those that are against our review guidelines. If you're unsatisfied with the game, as in the gameplay, the graphics, in-game mechanics and features, you're free to write a review and share your opinion with other GOG users why you do not recommend it. Mm-hmm. That's and right. so I'm still a bit like what does that mean? <laughs> well, well, DRM isn't part of the game. I think they're right. <laughs> so it's it's like those reviews, right? Yeah, or it's like if you don't, as much as it's it's harder these days to distinguish um, a studio from its pro- product. If you don't agree with the studio's ethics, you shouldn't review bomb their games because <clears throat> there are other ways to express your displeasure. I guess I think that's what they're saying, and using the review system to do that isn't necessarily the, the way. Sorry, misattributing the, the the phrase review, right? Review is to go in it'll never be completely impartial, but you're supposed to go in relatively impartial, play the game and say, hey, this is what I think of it. When you're mm-hmm. doing this, you're going, well, I don't agree with the ideals of this game and what it represents, and therefore, despite not really having an opinion about the game, <laughs> I'm going to batter it and drag down public perception of it to my own game, I guess. I, my own game, I guess. That's what they're, they're going for, right? They're yeah. trying to make a point. They're trying to deliver a message. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it seems like a decent approach to kind of go, cool. If you're not happy with the game because there's something a bit naff about it, because it's broken, because something like that, sure, fine. If you think that the studio are doing something with a game that you don't agree with uh, on a philosophical yeah. level, yeah. Uh, then that's not basis for a bad review. Mm-hmm. That space is for you just deciding you don't agree with the game regardless of how good or bad it is. Um, the internet sucks sometimes, <laughs> right? Like, Do you think we'll ever get to a point in these podcasts where people start um, re- reviewing us, like reviewing us because we disagree with the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> if it means we get a fraction of the success at Square Enix in the Hitman series achieved, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it on the chin. Uh, <laughs> review bomb the hell out of me, I don't care. Let's do it. We welcome review bombing. <laughs> um, to an extent. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Wait until we've got the good reviews and then, and then review with, bombs, the, with yeah. the bombs. We'll we'll work that out. Um magic. I'm I'm gonna shake things. I like I do this every now and again, especially when I'm hosting Chris. We've we've got we've got our docket peek behind the curtain for you. We've got our docket and our structure for the podcast and what we're talking about. All right. And then midway through I'll just kinda go I'm not doing it that way around. I'm going to keep Chris guessing. Uh, we're going to throw this story in the middle. So it is... Um, so The Last of Us Day is coming, right? It's, it's like a, a day celebrating The Last of Us and stuff. Uh, and it looks like... Isn't, it, new... isn't it referred to as Outbreak Day, I think you'll find. Outbreak Day. Apologies. Apologies. Uh, that oh, sorry. A lot better than last formally day. referred to as Outbreak Day. I apologise. I <laughs> take it back. Yeah. My God. It used to I be guess referred... in a post-outbreak world... Uh... Yeah, it doesn't seem right to call <laughs> it Outbreak Day. <laughs> I think so when I... Like when they said outbreak day, I thought, are they talking about when they 
gaming started? That's kind of a weird thing to do. It's weird talking about a zombie game and going, are they talking about their pandemic or our exactly. pandemic? Yeah, yeah. That's the world we live in now, ladies and gentlemen. It is, yeah. um, anyway. I think I think I said this mid-pandemic to you, right? I remember going to um, to Leckwith. For those of you who don't know Cardiff, there's kind of like the, the big Cardiff City football stadium. There's like a little shopping centre there. And I remember going there and there were barriers set up all over the place, like all the way through the car park mid-pandemic, but there was no one there because everyone was at home. I remember walking around and being like, the only time I've ever seen this stuff seems... is walking through a video game like The Last of Us. Like, It was a moment midway through the pandemic where I was like, is this it? Do I need to, ironically, do I need to stock up on fuel? You don't need to stock on fuel. You're fine. There is no fuel shortage. No, there's no fuel shortage. There's no fuel shortage. There's no fuel shortage. Leave toilet paper alone. Get vaccinated. And, and um, pasta and flour as well, please. I'd still like some pasta and flour. Anyway. Absolutely. So there's new content coming for The Last of Us uh, built around um, Outbreak Day. So, I mean, the one big one that I saw this morning that was quite interesting is Neil Druckmann posted a screenshot of what looked like a screen grab from The Last of Us TV show. Ooh, did they? It was, yeah. So it was, it was literally, I guess, just the back of... of you know, your two leads of Ali and Joel. Yeah. It was a uh, someone on the internet's going to tell me that I'm wrong and that I missed something, but they were kind of like looking at this big kind of hill over this like grassy knoll, and there was this like crashed plane across okay. the top of the hill. And I was like, that's cool. Like already, that's something that I haven't seen. We're going in different places, which okay. is exciting. Um, I mean, Chris, are you are you looking forward to it? Where, where are you at the last of us in general? This is probably a one worth uh, speaking about in general, right? <laughs> I think when the first Last of Us came out, there was it was always there in my head. I was like, that is a game that will always sit with me. And I went back and played it at least three times. I think uh, once when it was re-released on the PS4, so I played it on the PS3. That's how old I am. And then again, just because, and then again before The Last of Us 2 came out. And The Last of Us 2 I have not gone back to. And I feel like I'm getting up to the point where I'm ready for it again because I think it was a lot more intense. So I'm not fatigued with The Last of Us. I'm just not in the same place I was with the first one. I'm not hyped at all about any of the stuff they've been teasing. The show, for me, was I still think is unnecessary, but am I going to watch it? Of course I'm going to watch it. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. Well, where are you? What about you? What do you think? I mean, I've always been a, a huge last of us fan right that's always been the case for me um you know the first one i remember not even the first game but i remember the would have been e3 announcements before the first one i remember looking at kind of like tech demos of how all the kind of collision detecting and animation stuff worked i was there for day one i go back and i play the first one every year because it's incredible the second one i adored i thought it was fantastic mm. um i thought it was I think what a lot of people refer to as really bad in that game, I refer to as really brave in that game. I think it takes some balls to kind of put a game together and do the things that they did in that. I agree. I don't know. It clearly didn't work for everyone. It worked for me perfectly. It didn't work for everyone, yeah. but I thought it was a a bold move and a bold attempt to do something that I haven't really seen done in video games to that degree and with that kind of finesse. And yeah, the last was TV show. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there, right? Like there's a lot of TV to watch. Foundations just dropped on Apple TV. I'm like, well, that's Asimov nonsense going on all sorts. But I'll, I'll make time for The Last of Us. Um, if nothing else, for the fact that... So Neil Druckmann, who's the game director of The Last of Us, and 
well, sorry, he's the game director of The Last of Us Part Two. He yeah. was co-director with Bruce Straley of the first one. Um, and then he's been on various projects at Naughty Dog for a long time since long, I think he came time. on board back in like CTR, right? Yeah. yeah. Like Crash Team Racing and stuff. Um, so he's going to be directing one of the episodes. Oh, really? Which is interesting. You know, he's not, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's filmed or directed TV or film before. He's, yeah, he has done a lot. He did do a lot of the, the scenes, because oh, they motion captured so much of the game. I think, I know he directed yeah. a lot of those scenes. I don't know how much overlap there is in those areas, but I guess. Yeah, well, I guess, like, I, I assume it must be relatively transferable, right? Generally, as a director, what you're doing is telling everyone else how to do what, how to do what you want and then helping them through that. Uh, I'm sure they're going to have a great crew as well. So, yeah, yeah. you know, for him, he's not going to have to think about that a huge amount, right? It's mostly going to be working with the actors. But no, like, I'm interested to see. It's, it's weird. We're at that point, right? We've talked about Hideo Kojima before and how he's this kind of, auteur that wanted to make movies but couldn't make movies so he makes video games and his video games are sometimes oh, really overdeveloped <laughs> movies right that yeah. dress up like yeah. video games it, it, it's like, movies without an editor basically yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> well like Metal Gear Solid 4 it's just a movie and every now and again you've got to move things like Cory <laughs> Barlog I know a big thing for him was he I think he left the studio between God of War 2 well after God of War 2 and I'm pretty sure he worked with um Oh my god, uh, George Miller, right? So Mad Max Fury Road and stuff. He worked with him for a little while before coming back. That experience shows. So I think it's it's interesting to see the video that I guess those transferable skills from video games and movies seem to be coming into play more and more. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not in a super. I think if you're in a very technical role, it's technical, right? If you're a cinematographer, you're not going to understand yeah, how to yeah. go rigging lights in a video game. But from a very kind of overarching space, it seems like it's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I wonder whether or not that content that they were teasing was just that that image. You know, I'm just having a look here because it's been a lot of it, different merchandise and so on. They've got an ongoing deal and relationship with Taylor Guitars, following on from Last of Us Two. Um, a copy of the soundtrack on vinyl. Isn't there that, also, oops. isn't there also the multiplayer game that might drop as well? So that's that's what I thought it was going to be. So I think they said September 26th, and they teased something happening. Obviously, that is, as of recording, that is, that day has passed, right? And it looked like that's the day that that image from The Last of Us TV show dropped. But this PvP thing's been coming for a long time, man. Like, we've, you know, we've been waiting on it since launch. It's almost starting to look like it's going to potentially be a separate game. Like, I I don't think they'll necessarily sell it as a separate game, but it's going to be... Free standalone download for the owners of the previous game? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, you know, I I enjoyed factions, right? We we, we did we did a couple of streams of it. It was actually we quite... did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. I remember like Will kind of like holding my hand and like guiding me through through those those games for the most part. Like yeah. it was great. It was really really fun. It's the one time that I played a game with Will and he's just been like, "Cool, I've got point," and he he just ran it <laughs> just <laughs> on that game because he's the only one that had played it and knew what was going on. Like it's fun. I would like to see. A version of that come back. I quite enjoyed the Uncharted three multiplayer as well. Like I quite enjoyed that. I can't remember if I played that one or the, the Uncharted two multiplayer, but it it was fun. But you know all the weird magicy stuff from Uncharted that was turned up to eleven in the multiplayer mode. Um, Sorry. But yeah, I mean, I I was hoping that there'd be something a bit more than just here's a bunch of cool new merch for Outbreak Day. It seems like that's mostly what it was. Um, and we know that you know Naughty Dog. I think they were hiring for multiplayer for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sorry, I just dropped my mic accidentally. I was I can see you kind of. I'm, I'm trying to fill time whilst you, there you go. Okay, deal with the technical issues. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and they've been hiring for a what seems like a pretty linear cinematic Naughty Dog style game as well. They've been hiring for that recently, so they're working on something else. Okay. Um, um, what is that though? Ooh. Well, yeah, I would like more, more last, more Last of Us, please, always. Yeah. So yeah, digressed off the actual Last of Us bit because I, I, Naughty Dog is just that studio. They just want to know what they're doing, don't you? It's kind of like. Yeah. Well, I said for ages, I think you know, Left Behind. I really enjoyed. Um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see that property not handed off to someone else necessarily, but I, you know, I've said it before. The sort of fifteen, twenty-hour experiences that we get from Mars Morales and from The Last of Us, Left Behind, and and things like that. I would like something like that from them, smaller. New yeah, well, stories, and new did, characters in that world. They did. Uh, what was the Uncharted Four um, kind of so, uh, similar thing with the? Uh, oh, um, uh, the one with the Lo- Dean and. Oh, my brain's gone blank. How do we not? Lost? No. Uncharted Lost, Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. Yeah, <laughs> we get there. Yeah, Lost Legacy again. A, a similar sized chunk right. of adventure, right? It was really. It wasn't too big. It was uh, slightly different in how it's presented. It was. It was good. I think they could do. Yeah, you're right. I think they could do more stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Away from what? You know what? I was going to say away from the end of the world and apocalypses and stuff, but the end of the world and an apocalypse may come up in this next bit because a uh, bit of a shock. But um, the Nintendo Showcase is, I guess, a kind of closing story of multiple stories. Um, so Nintendo did one of their um, Nintendo Directs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some really interesting stuff in there. There was... There was. <laughs> one of them has taken the internet by storm a little bit. I'm not sure how people... I'm not sure people know how to feel, <laughs> let alone how they do actually I'm feel. still confused. Um, we've got a few kind of main stories here, right? So I'm going to go through them one at a time. We're going to get some general feedback. So the big one that I'm really excited about, because I've bitched and moaned about it, I don't know how many times on this podcast, um, N64 games are going to be making their way to Nintendo Online. It's not going to be the way that they've done SNES and NES, where they just drop them. It is going to be, I think what they're calling an expansion pack, right? So it looks like it's going to be a, it's almost going to turn Switch Online into a sort of tiered system where you're going to have the basic one, then you're going to have the expansion pack, which will give you access to N64 games, including Ocarina of Time, which at the moment you can only really go back and either play on a N64 or pick up a yeah. 3DS. Like those, those are your options. Um, I think they it won't be there at launch, but Majora's Mask is one of the titles that will make its way there as well. So there's going to be some cool N64. If you bought Mario All Stars, 3D Mario All Stars for 60 quid, just so you can play Mario 64, um, sucks to be you right now. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going to be the. Um... The, the, that version was... Uh, it was like a HD... HD remake. This is going to be yeah. the original. Uh, the original. I mean, um, just for Ocarina of Time, it's worth getting it, isn't it? Just, just for Ocarina of Time. You should forget about the fact that Mario 64 is on there. Even Yoshi's Story and Star Fox. I mean, it's a good selection of games. I mean, it's, it's an important machine, right? And I think mm. we've all been sort of a little bit frustrated for a little while because... It's that weird Disney thing we talked before. Nintendo puts such high value on those properties that they're very, very concerned about letting them go. You know, Disney always had that thing with the classic Disney movies of vaulting them and tucking them away and not letting anyone use them unless they say so. And obviously now we're in a post-streaming world where this stuff is just available on Disney Plus and you can access it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could be a bit more like that, which is nice. You know, being able yeah. to go in and just go, cool, I want to go through Majora's Mask. You know, I mean, if you're a Zelda fan... 
a few months, you know, by next year, it's going to be a great machine for you where you've got the Link's Awakening remake, you've got Link to the Past on there, you've got, I mean, a lot of really good Skyward Swords on there. Obviously, Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be on there. Mm-hmm. Hyrule Warriors, Ocarina, Majora's Mask. What was the one that just, did I say Skyward Sword? That's that's the one that's just dropped, right? That's the one that's, no, that's coming out. There's a, uh, there's a up- updated version of that coming out. It's not out yet, though, is it? I think it's come out, yeah. It's yeah, come out. I think it's okay. released. <laughs> it says a lot says a lot about how successful it did. Um it was a weird game to put out, right? Yeah. But no, I, I think it's the other thing that's exciting to me is well there's twofold, right? The first one, I'm not gonna go into anything away from Nintendo for a second, but it's the idea of going, Okay, if I'm currently paying uh, what is it, twenty bucks for the year for Switch Online, if they turn around and go, Cool, you can pay thirty bucks a year and you get N sixty four games, I'll be like Okay, I'll pay 30 bucks a year. If they then turn around and go, you can pay 45 a year, and we'll give you GameCube games too. Now we're talking about some stuff, you know I, what I mean? I know, I know. You know what I mean? I like, all of a sudden, it becomes a really interesting prospect. So that there is my train of thought with that, and there's also the kind of swerve ball that I wasn't expecting. I don't think anyone is expecting this. So also Mega Drive or Sega Genesis, if you're American... Like they're gonna be making their way to this expansion pack as well. Some classic Sega Mega Drive games. I just think you know how you know how back in the back in the day, back in my day, you know, the, there was always in the gaming world these very big versus battles. It was always Amiga versus Atari and it was like and like Nintendo versus Sega and like the thought of Sega ever releasing their stuff on on the Nintendo platform is mind boggling to me. And of course Nintendo ultimately won the hardware battle, so Sega have gone, hey, yeah, let's put our games on there, confuse all our old... I mean, these games just... And it's a good selection of games as well. Have you seen the games? Oh, are you kidding me? As soon as I saw... So, I I have become, over the years, a big Puyo Puyo fan, but when I was a kid, we didn't have Puyo Puyo. We had Dr. Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. I love that game. When people say Mega Drive and they think about Streets of Rage or they think of Altered Beast or they think of regular Sonic the Hedgehog, I think Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. I love that game. I'm so excited to play that on my Switch. Well, it's just not good. You've got Golden Axe, Echo the Dolphin, Gunstar Heroes, Fantasy Staff. I mean, these are, these are Shinobi. <laughs> these are games. These are like these classic... Are, it's, a, it's a lot of the Mega Drive games, the, right? The Mega Drive games. Yeah. And they're on a Nintendo platform. I'm, I'm excited to see what it's like. It looks to me... So the other thing as well that we've not said yet is that alongside these services, Nintendo are going to be putting out wireless versions of um, an N64 controller and a Sega Mega Drive controller. Yeah. So similar to the NES and SNES wireless controllers they've released before. And the like, it looks like they've taken... I was a little bit worried about... My first thought, right, always is, well... Sega isn't Nintendo, and Nintendo don't like Sega, and what is the point of this and stuff? And Sega's a different beast, right? I mean, I'm here, so of course it's going to thread back to pro wrestling somehow, right? But How? If you if you remember back in the day, right, it was always the WWF and WCW. Yeah. You know? And then WCW, it all kind of went wrong, and it um, fell apart, okay, and then the WWF go. exploded, and eventually they just kind of became one, right? WWF by WCW... They bring them in. The difference is all those big WCW stars came over to the WWF and they were watered down. They were wasted. They were never given the love that they deserved because you're not our guys. You're someone else's guys. I was worried about a bit of a WCW thing, you know? 
Yeah, no, like, they've not done they that. They did a whole thing where, like, Diamond Dallas Page was the guy in WCW. He was a creepy dude that followed people's wives around in WWF, right? They really ruined him a little bit. And I was like, oh, no, are they going to turn Sonic the Hedgehog into a creepy sex offender like like WWF did? I don't think so. It looks like they're treating it with a bit of no, respect. I, I, they're they're I mean? definitely not doing that. They are definitely cool. not doing that. So this Nintendo Sega thing, it is not the Monday Night Wars coming to a head. No. Um, it's going to be taught, It's going to be treated with a bit more love. And you know, I I don't even know how many times. You know, I don't know how many times I bought the. Um, it's the Sega Mega Drive collection. You know the. I've bought that game several times. So if you want to ask me how many times I bought Sonic the Hedgehog over the years. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you because you... unlike Mario, right? I bought Super Mario Brothers a few times. But only on Nintendo machines. Sonic is everywhere. You can buy that on every. I swear, if you go to just... the self-service machines in Tesco's, there's definitely a sub-menu where you can buy and play Sonic the Hedgehog. Just, there. just come here and you can see how many different platforms we have Sonic on. I mean, yes. it's insane. We've got so like, if it, oh yeah, Sonic's just Mega Drive. Maybe some of the later Sega consoles. No, we have it on everything. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, one more machine to play Sonic the Hedgehog on. Sure, Me I'm sure. about that. Not, ready yeah. for it. Um, so yeah, there was that news. I think that was probably critically that seems to be the most exciting story for a lot of people. Um, but they talked about some more stuff. Um, we mentioned weird post-apocalyptic worlds. Uh, Kirby has a new game coming out that looks wild. Yes, it yes, looks it kind of a bit, a bit like Zero um, Horizon Zero Dawn. It looks <laughs> a bit like I think somebody put it up as um, it was a screen grab from the trailer, and it was just. Kirby Automata, a bit like Nier Automata. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that kind of vibe, but it looks like it's an open world-ish kind of 3D platformy action game in a post-apocalyptic world. But it's Kirby. <laughs> like, it's uh, definitely Kirby. We uh, we linked to uh, a Eurogamer article, and I love this line they've got in here: uh, the gritty Kirby deboot. Uh, sorry, the gritty Kirby deboot that no one in particular has been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line a D-Root as well, it does look like that but I, I don't know, I, I thought I thought it could be interesting, it could be I mean, I'm going to play it I think, Nintendo, what I'll give Nintendo is they've always been because, so Kirby obviously it's a, it's a Nintendo IP, right, but it's HAL Laboratory, so it's not an in-house IP, right mm -hmm. it's one that they kind of inherited from HAL and the guys over there so I guess they're not as precious as they are with maybe a Zelda or a Donkey Kong or a Mario. <laughs> but Kirby's become this weird catalyst over the years of Nintendo being able to go, people love Kirby. People love Kirby. What if we just try something? What if we just do stuff? See what happens, right? Yeah. right? Um, and yeah, I'm about it. It's yeah. weird. I thought it looked... It's got that weird Nintendo look that they had with um, Pikmin. You know, like Pikmin's these weird little Nintendo things. Like it's very Nintendo-y. But the world was like photorealistic and oh, yeah, yeah. hyper real. And I always thought that was a weird clash. And I I really get those kind of aesthetic vibes where the world looks like it's trying to be, like you said, kind of gritty and dark and realistic. But also, Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange. All right. Um, we finally, after... What, what is it now, four, five years? Um, we've track. heard more from Bayonetta 3. Yes. Uh, I believe they closed the show with this, right? Um, I think, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I think they closed the show with Bayonetta 3. Um, I remember really enjoying Bayonetta 1 and 2. 
Yeah, me too. I. It's still Platinum Games, which is the same studio. This has been in development for a long time. It's clearly been been in trouble on the development cycle. Mm-hmm. I don't think it looks great. Oh really? I, everything that is Bayonetta is there. Don't get me wrong. It has that horrible. Um, you know when a game has been in development for too long, when you can look at it and go, "Cool, it looks like this game has been in development for five, six years," because it looks about five or six years old. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of weird empty spaces. I do, I don't personally think it looked great. Um, uh, just looking at it, looking at the trailer again now. I see, I can see what you mean. You see what I mean, right? Like it looks. Yeah. To me, it look even now it looks underdeveloped. Which, considering the amount of time it's been in development, is is a little bit worrying. See, I'm not sure I 100 percent agree because uh, I think what you're you're forgetting is you're 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 blessed with a PS5. You're seeing worlds that are far more populated and alive. This is still a Switch game. Yeah. Right. And I, I look. Think... It looks like a really good Switch game to me. I mean, like I'm looking at this last this boss battle they got at the end of the trailer, and that looks that looks gorgeous. It looks. I mean, yeah, okay, it's just, it, it's devoid of activity in the background, but then, I don't know. It's not even that, it just feels, yeah, I'm just looking over it again now, like, watching it, and it, like, you know, it is, it's a challenge that the Switch is going to face going forward, it's like, yeah, it also looks not as great, because we now have a higher standard of gaming, especially if you're on a PC, are you kidding me? Like, and you kind of, you can look at this, and... Not only does it look like it should have come out to me four or five years ago, but four or five years ago that hardware was underpowered. So now, yeah, it doesn't oh, look great. The, the scale. What I'll what I'll admit as well is there is a weird scaling thing with it where once you get to that big boss fight and you've got this almost kind of like kaiju battle going on, that looks a bit more impressive. And maybe it is the ground force stuff suffers from it's relatively empty because we have to be able to scale it up. Maybe, maybe. I, yeah. I, I worry, I worry. I didn't think it looked amazing. I have been looking forward to the game for a long time, but I worry about it. Maybe yeah. Maybe it's up to uh, itself, yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I, there's something, I, there is something I do I still think... I feel like I haven't enjoyed this kind of style of game for a while, probably since the last Bayonetta. So I'm hoping that... I hope that Platinum Games do deliver something, but you're right. There's it could be something missing about it. It could be the reason it's delayed. But I, I'm not sure the Switch is entirely to blame on this because I think I know what you mean about it being underpowered five years. Well, unpowered now. I don't know if it was unpowered five years ago. I think we talked about this the other day. I, I don't 100% agree with that. I think I think compared to how the Wii was underpowered, now the Wii was an underpowered console when yeah. that came out. The Switch, I think they learned some lessons, but I think. The mistake they made was not when they when they had the opportunity to release a pro switch. That's the mistake they made. They, they should have released yeah. a pro switch with better hardware in it because then if that a game like this could have definitely benefited from it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I mean, and that's the other weird thing, right? Is like when when I say that the switch is underpowered. I mean, compared to other hardware that was out at the time. I mean, switch comes out around about the same time as your Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Four Pro come, right? It's, it's that same kind of window, give or take. Yeah. Or I guess in between the 4 and the Pro and then the 1 and the Series 
X, yeah, Series X. Um, Jesus, Xbox and their naming. I think the main thing is like, it's always been a thing. That it's always been a given for me with a Switch that if I'm playing a Nintendo game, the power is irrelevant because that studio can produce stunning games That's the with point. very yeah. little. Yeah. They've always been great at that. Breath of the Wild still, to me, to my eye, even when the frame rates are a little bit iffy in some places, it looks a hundred times better than most third-party or first-party games even that I'm seeing on most hardware now, even next-gen, right? But plan amount of first-party studio, right? And so they're not a first-party studio, but this is a first-party game. This is a Switch exclusive, which means that Nintendo have to position and put this out there as, hey, this is a big, important game for the Switch. And I'm looking at that and going, really? Because this, I'm assuming that by the time this drops, we're going to be looking forward and seeing more from Breath of the Wild 2. Mm. And that's going to be your standard bearer. Yeah, and that's yeah. an unfair standard bearer to have. It's an unbelievably high bar to jump over. But I think that's probably the thing, right? Is this maybe I should be looking more at as, um, No More Heroes, right? The most recent No More Heroes game came out and everyone's like, yeah, it feels a lot like you're playing a PS2 game, but in a good way. It's all the things that were great about the PS2. And maybe that's it. You know, these were really technical, impressive, like technically impressive games when I played them on the PS3. You know, I remember playing them on the PS3 and thinking Bayonet 1 and 2 look amazing. They still kind of look the same. I don't think visually they've developed in a huge way, massively. That is true, yeah. Maybe that's a big part of it. Maybe it's going, well, that wasn't the priority. The priority was adding more, making it more fun. And maybe I'll play it and be like, cool. But um, the first impressions weren't great. And that is probably, take that with a grain of salt, because that's probably heavily influenced by the fact that we've been waiting for this game so long. Yeah. And that is a big old red flag hanging over it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything else from that Switch, uh, from the Nintendo Direct. That was worth shouting about. I don't think there was anything that got me super excited. Uh, I, I, I had a look back over it. I think most of it just some release announcements, which are fine. Nothing exciting. Yeah. 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 But no. So I mean, I guess uh, with that, it's 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 the final piece of of the Nintendo showcase, right? That's... Which is a bigger topic of discussion. <laughs> so there's been whispers for a while of Illumination, who you'll know is the team that. Um, Developed the Despicable Me movies, uh, the Minion films, of course. <clears throat> Minions are a global powerhouse now. Every kid everywhere loves Minions. Um, so they're going to be partnering with Nintendo to develop an animated Super Mario film. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto is involved, though I don't think it's totally clear how involved, but he came on and kind of introduced it and ran us through the cast. Chris, you want to take us through the cast of that? Yeah, so um, we'll do uh, we'll do this in reverse, some some yeah, sort of reversal of the show. Yeah, so um, Jack Black, Jack Black is playing Bowser. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Charlie Day, who is one of those actors who's just kind of in a lot of different things, and is he's also Charlie Kelly from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I am immediately so excited to see what he does with Luigi. Yeah, he's playing Luigi. Um, Anna Taylor Joy, who has again an actress who is is kind of on the uh, in 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 the limelight at the moment a lot. She's like an actor actor as well. Yeah, like yeah, she's she is, yeah. very very talented. Uh, she is playing Peach, uh, and and they have this is Peach, not Princess Peach, Peach. 
Um, and then, um, long-time Super Mario star, Charles Martinet, of course, the uh, original voice of uh, Mario. He is not actually going to be voicing Mario. He is making surprise cameos, whatever that is. Uh, um, I think that is... He's not Mario. We're sorry. We'll put him in the movie. Please don't yell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Keegan Michael K will play Toad. Uh, could be funny. Yeah, should be interesting. Seth Rogen is doing Donkey Kong again. Probably a bit of a comedy character. Um, oh, I don't. Know. I mean, this is all going to be funny character. But the big, the big one, the big one that the internet is probably in a massive uproar about. As I said, Charles Martinet isn't playing Mario. Instead, we have Chris Pratt playing Mario. Now, Chris Pratt. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Star Lord, um, voice of uh, whatever the character was in Lego. Um, oh, what's his character? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jurassic. Yeah, that year where he did Guardians of the Galaxy, Jurassic World, um, Lego, the Lego movie, yeah. and it was kind of like suddenly Chris Pratt is everywhere. Now, yeah. I'm a fan. I, I can caveat this. I, I, I was, I am, I'm not sure. I'm a fan of Chris Pratt. I think. Parks and Rec is one of the best comedies ever made. I think he's brilliant in that. Um, and yeah, God of the Galaxy, you know, he's great. Mario? It's been so bizarre. Because like, he had that, like, he went through that period where he was the most loved man in Hollywood. Yeah. He was everywhere. And I do think him being cast here is very much a. It's that Dwayne Johnson effect, right? Like, cool. If nothing else, it's Mario and it's Chris Pratt. It'll make money. Yeah. Like, it will make money. It will. Um, I think there's problematic elements so- surrounding him in general, which I think the internet really jumped on really hard. Mm. I think the internet has kind of collectively seems to have decided, no, no, we don't like him. We don't like him anymore. Um, based on a lot of a lot of things, a lot of complicated things. Um. From a casting perspective, I mean, sure. Like, it, to me, it like... No, it's Bob Hoskins. I'm going to be honest. If you're going to cast Charlie Day as Luigi, you missed the boat not giving Danny DeVito Mario. Right. Danny DeVito. Right? Like, you really messed that up. That would have been... But... Anyone who's ever watched it, so... don't even... Just... If you don't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, just go and search It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie and Frank. Watch that dynamic and tell me you don't want to see that in a Mario movie. Maybe a little bit less gross, maybe a little bit less R-rated, but like, <laughs> wind it back and it would have been hilarious, right? Like, it could have been so good, but that's not the way that they went. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm, I've said for ages, like, cool, don't make live-action movies of a Mario. Like, don't do another live-action Mario movie. Like, it's not good. It doesn't work. It's not applicable. It, yeah, it's it's a ridiculous idea. Do a really good quality animated Mario movie. I want to see that. And that is what they're doing. So I shouldn't complain, right? <laughs> it's it's a I wonder, right? Because I mean, Mario has a fairly distinctive, iconic voice. Uh, you know, he's an Italian plumber. It it would seem like. Chris Pratt is distinctly Chris Pratt. And he has said, I'm working on my Mario voice, whatever that means, but I can't see it. I can't see it. If, if you, if, if, if Chris Pratt comes, if, sorry, if Mario comes, uh, if Mario film comes and Mario sounds like Star-Lord, 
rather than sounding like Mario, there's a problem. It's like, it's kind of like imagining, it's like what happened with Sonic, right? The, the When the original Sonic app look came out, everyone was in uproar. And, you know, to their credit, they changed it. And the, the Sonic movie isn't bad. And, yeah. it, you know, it worked out for the better. I just, it's an iconic thing about Sonic and that his look. And Mario's voice is kind of iconic as well to some extent. Yeah. Do you know what I find really interesting, now that you've said that as well? And maybe it's a generational thing, maybe it's because I was younger at the time as well, but there was, there's always been Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario, right? If you hold them to, as, as the analogue characters for the 90s, right? These big, iconic yeah, yeah. video game characters. And there's been Mario movies, and there's been Sonic the Hedgehog movies, and there's been Mario comics and, and Sonic comics and all this different thing. I can quite clearly in my head hear Sonic the Hedgehog having a conversation with another character on the screen. I know what that should sound like. It can vary from place to place, but, you know, it's that, like, it's kind of, like, a little bit punky and a little bit attitude and, like, that kind of angsty teeny thing. Like, yeah, yeah I yeah, do yeah. whatever I want. I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you can hear that. Yeah, absolutely. With Mario, by design, he doesn't have a lot because Mario's... This is true. We love Mario. Mario is adorable and he's easy to control and, he, like, it's easy for us to jump into his skin and... And there is no, obviously, Chris Manet has, like, he is the voice of Mario, but actually most of it is just him going, ahoo, <laughs> like, that's what we hear him do. He just sort of jumps and, things true. and then he tells doesn't... people who he is. And we're like, I, it's, there's only so many, if I'm watching a movie, then really all I'm hearing Mario doing is just introducing himself to various different people over and over again. <laughs> so I, I, I guess that's my problem is, I don't know what Chris Pratt's going to do because I don't know what Super Mario is supposed to sound like in a movie. This is true. You're right, actually. <clears throat> you raise a good point. He he has a distinctive voice, but they're catchphrases and short snippets of things. There's no actual... He's not actually had a lengthy dialogue with anyone, has he? So... No, I mean, t- Mario exists like... You ready for that? We've been around video game developers, Chris, so I know these things now. They're shouts, right? I'm pretty sure that's what you call them in development, right? They, they, they It's not lines of dialogue. It's shouts. Uh, it's the yeah huh, maybe ah, like yeah, the yeah, noises yeah. right the noises and reactions and things like somebody throwing a grenade and going it's a grenade and like that that that's a shower it's not lines of dialogue that yeah, are yeah. engaging it's it's just noises and backs I think backs is what they call it, actually not showers but like that's what we hear so yeah we hear noises from Mario because Mario does things and to make sure we understand that he's doing them he needs to react with a sound but I don't know yeah I'm like. Maybe that's almost a better way to do it. Maybe you just get rid of Chris Pratt and then you kind of go, cool, people aren't as... Like, they love Luigi, they love Peach, but Luigi and Peach and Toad, these characters have had voices before. We can fill in the gaps. They're never going to get rid of Chris Pratt now. Oh, no way. Can you imagine how... what? There'd be even more of an uproar, I think. Oh, I mean... We just Excuse said me. earlier that like Chris Pratt went through a period where he was on everything and everywhere and doing everything. That's because he has very, very good agents. Yeah. And no way his agents are letting are letting Nintendo get away with pulling him away from yeah. No way. No way. He's he's Mario for the foreseeable. And I, I can't imagine it's a one movie deal either. It's probably two or three, right? Yeah, well it depends how the movie does Space success, yeah. Yeah. Um it'd be interesting to see. I Yeah, you know. I tell you, I tell you what, I'm more excited about. I'm more excited because I was a big fan of Queen's Gambit, and uh, I think Anna Anna Taylor Joy. It's going to be very interesting to see. I wonder whether maybe Charlie Day and Anna Taylor Joy just didn't have loads of conversations. And Mario just went saying you know? they're just going to chat around Mario. 
What's exciting? What what I find really funny is there was uh, it was it was making the rounds on social media. This idea and this conversation is like right. After all this time, right? If Peach keeps getting kidnapped and dragged away by Bowser, there's kind of a one shame on me. Your sound's just gone a bit weird. Yeah, I don't really know what's happening there. Oh, you're back. Like... You're back. You're okay. Yeah, there's a lot of noise and weird distortion. Um, there's a bit of a, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, kind of, you know. If she keeps getting kidnapped and keeps allowing herself to get kidnapped, maybe Peach is kind of into it, right? Like, maybe she's not so happy with Mario. And maybe <laughs> what I want to see here is Anna Taylor-Joy and Jack Black as Peach and Bowser just going... Screw Mario. He's a he's a jerk. He's a jerk and maybe a little bit of a homophobe. We don't know. Screw this guy. We're out. <laughs> Luigi what if, if you know Charlie and and you wanna come like, come on guys, let's get you know, maybe that's it. Maybe. maybe this is it. Maybe this is how we get Mario cancelled. This is what we're heading into. Oh god, Mario cancelled. Luigi's time to shine. The other <laughs> thing that I did see, my 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 final closing note on this is I said they missed the mark on not casting Danny DeVito as Mario. Because first of all, home run. Nobody dislikes Danny DeVito. You could you could you could cast Danny DeVito as anyone and everyone's gonna be like, Well it's Danny DeVito, we love him, sure, fine. We'll see what happens, right? But if they're not gonna do that, Danny DeVito casts as Waluigi uh, sorry, as Wario. Now that's Danny a good DeVito shout. as Wario. That's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. Right? With like a proper like Thick, gross, gravelly New York accent. <laughs> right? If you've ever watched this always sunny in Philadelphia, somebody had supercut all the worst moments of Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and they had just photoshopped a Wario mustache and a hat on him. And it was hysterical. And this has happened before. The people want this. We said this with Pikachu. We wanted Danny DeVito to play Pikachu, Detective E. We all love Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is great. But get him out. We want Danny DeVito, is what we want. Right, so just saying, okay. if you're gonna get rid of Chris Pratt, give it to Danny DeVito. If you're not gonna get rid of Chris Pratt, Danny DeVito's Wario. You heard it here. I'm telling you. So that's it for our stories <laughs> of the week. I think Danny DeVito is not Mario, but the world turns on. Um, it continues to spin. Um, Chris, I think we're gonna go into our uh, recommendations for this week. Let's do it. So, I think looking at our recommendations for this week, because spoiler, we already know what each other have chosen. You guys don't know if you're listening yeah. yet. Um, but one of them is a bigger conversation than the other. So I'm going to go first, if that's okay with you. Yeah. And we can have a bigger chat around your choice. Okay. Um, so Pokemon Unite is the, the MOBA that launched on Switch, uh, I want to say a couple of months ago now. Um, it's great. It's a It's a MOBA, but without all the kind of overwhelming trappings of a MOBA, I think. I always found it a bit overwhelming going into League and just being like, what is going on? I don't uh, even know where to start. Intimidating. Um, yeah, Pokemon Unite is great. It's Instead of breaking towers, you're scoring goals, right? And like you're, you're kind of racking up points and you're leveling up. You can evolve in the game and stuff like that. There's a pretty good selection of Pokemon and stuff in there. Um, I really, really enjoyed it at launch. I played it a fair amount. I kind of made Snorlax for a little bit. Um, but they've got me on a double whammy. 
because Blastoise was introduced a little while ago. Blastoise is my boy. He's always been my boy. Um, and they've launched it on mobile as well. So it's now available on iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've jumped back in. I'm enjoying it. I'm a little bit annoyed that if you're on mobile, there's still no controller support. Um, I don't think... I said it was going to... It still might be my recommendation of the week one day if I have a slow week where I don't get enough time to play any games. Um, but I've been a big advocate for the Backbone controller. Um, yeah, you can get the, the Backbone, backbone. An, on Android and iOS yeah, as well. Yeah. It's got lightning and... So, you know, I would like to be able to play it with the controller there because there's a few... There's quite a lot of buttons on the screen. It's a definite... Because I've upgraded my phone. I've gone from the iPhone 12 to the 13 Pro Max, so it's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit easier to manage now. Um, Probably even easier again on on iPad, but then maybe not because of reaching around. Um, So I'd like controller support, but if you've got a Switch or if you don't have it... If you've got a Switch, Switch is the best place to play it. If you don't have a Switch, Android and iOS, Pokemon Unite, it's free to play. There's a few microtransactiony nonsense, but generally you can probably get... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a MOBA, and it's free to play as well. I, yeah. I have no problem with reasonable microtransactions if you're not charging me at the door. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to recommend Pokemon Unite. It's a fun mm-hmm. little game. won't cost you anything to give it a go, so All that's right. my recommendation for this week. All right. Okay. So my de- recommendation of the week is, for the first time in a long time, I've decided to just... I've got... I, I, play, I, I was a PC gamer for a long time. Open this place up. Don't have time for PC games, but I... I have managed to, because I don't have a PS5, boo-hoo-hoo, unless anyone watching wants to send me a free one, that'd be great. Um, uh, I do have my gaming laptop, which is a bit on the, long in the tooth, um, so Deathloop uh, is is out now. I was like, I want to play Deathloop, how do I play Deathloop? The only option I have is my, my, my old long in the tooth laptop, let's see what happens. So I've installed it, uh, I am running it on, I, I don't know how I'm running it, it's running great, it's running fine. Uh, it's running on its lowest setting possible, but it works. Oh, just give me one second. All the controls for the... Hello, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, this is weird. All the overlays for (laughs) our podcast, uh, uh, the Streamlabs has just disappeared and then reappeared, so I have no idea. It says that we're recording. I can't tell there's no levels anymore. Um... I'm sure we're fine. (laughs) I'm sure it's still recording. Okay, we are still recording, uh, but I have no idea whether our audio is recording, so this could be fun. Um, (laughs) The the overlay just disappeared and then just reappeared and nothing worked. Uh, So I'm playing Deathloop on my old Longinus laptop on the lowest settings, and it still looks great and it plays absolutely fine. I'm playing it on controller on my 4K TV, so you can imagine it doesn't look the best it could, but it works, it plays, and I have got to say... Um, oh, Tom, you still there? So yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I thought I lost you there for a second. This has all gone wrong. No, I have lost you. Oh, you're back. I'm here. Yeah, okay. what happened there? We're, oh, we're good. Everything's going wrong right at the end of the Let, podcast. Let's stop for a second. Okay. You're at your. What is your recommendation for this week? My recommendation for this week is Death Loop, Tom. We're <laughs> 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 just. I was just talking about. I'm recording it on the same laptop that I play Death Loop on, and the, the the laptop's obviously upset that I'm slagging it off and being old and long in the tooth. <laughs> so it's just gone. You know what? Screw you. Screw your <laughs> podcast. I'm I'm actually managing to play Death Loop, and it's great. Um. So I have I have what I realised is I I used to play a lot of FPSs on uh, on on mouse and keyboard, and it was enjoyable. And uh, as I've gotten older, my reaction times have slowed down. Uh, and also, of course, I switched to console. So the combination of those factors means playing an FPS on a console controller 
is uh is is kind of just slower it's not as fast paced and playing death leap it is a fast paced game i think you need to have faster reaction time so i am struggling a little bit in that sense or i was in the beginning anyway just because i haven't really played fps's for a while but as i've got into it it does ease you into the game much more than i thought it was going to and it's great because it, the story's slowly developing the characters are lively the world's lively and yeah it's, it's just good um i the the time leap mechanic hasn't kicked in as much as um it, it will do i suspect because i'm only right near the beginning of the game and i was like i was first like oh no this is, this is not gonna work i'm not gonna be able to play it on controller and on my old laptop and i'm old and my 4k tv is like all the way over the other side of the room but no yesterday i had some some good time with the game so i'm into it yeah recommended such good stuff about it right like it's one of those i'm i'm probably gonna jump in i'm like i said i I went with Pokemon Unite this week because it's been my kind of commute game, I suppose. Um, I've been playing out and about, but like when I'm at home, I'm still going through Rush and Clank Rift Apart, so I'm still chipping away at that. Um, and that was obviously my recommendation for the for you know the last uh, last podcast. Yeah. So I didn't want to go with that one again, which is why I went with Pokemon Unite. I think once I'm done with Ratchet, that's probably the one. You know, Deathloop's probably the one. I I've always struggled for some reason with Arcane's games. Like I've always gone in like Dishonored and stuff, I've really, really enjoyed them mechanically. I'm like, this is cool. Prey is a similar thing where I'm like, this is cool, I get it. Mm. But they just haven't pulled me back in afterwards. I put them down and I never go back. I, I, I don't admit, know why that is. And I, I think... Because I, I had the same problem, yeah, absolutely. I love I love Dishonored, but Dishonored 2, I really struggled to get back into after I started it. I, I think for me, it's a mixture of it seems like mechanically, or not mechanically, but... It, it's whole the the loop, right? The loop of Deathloop seems like it's really interesting and engaging. I know the gameplay is good because I've never had a problem with the gameplay of, of the Arcane games. They're, they're fantastic. They've just never pulled me in. Maybe it's just the world and the characters that didn't hit me in the right way. But this, like, aesthetically, I've always been like, this game looks cool. Like, it looks it's undeniably cool. cool. Very it's, cool. Like, and suave. It's got this sort of 70s uh, black exploitation movie kind of aesthetic to it mixed with this kind of weird sci-fi thing like it looks awesome you know like the music the vibes the colors the music's great you know the outfits and everything that always looked good i'm like cool maybe this is it then maybe this is what i've been waiting for is to really sink my teeth into an arcane game that i can vibe with a little bit more than i did the dishonored games so i dishonored one uh was quite dense in its kind of RPG systems and, and its game systems and stuff. Uh, and then I think one of the reasons maybe I struggled with two is it was even denser. Uh, and the impression I get so far anyway with um, uh, with Deathloop is it's it's still quite dense, but it's it's simplified dense if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like I'm five minutes into it and I'm like slabs, trinkets, and it's all really like there's lots of there's lots of little mechanics, but there and there are similarities. You can clearly see the similarities with the, with the old or the um, with the Dishonored games and the way yeah. they've influenced stuff. But yeah, I think it works so far. I'm starting to get the yeah, picture think, of it. Like even the the stuff that I've seen, it seems like when you say it's quite dense, I'm like, yeah, that's not surprising because the Dishonored games were a lot like that as well. I get the impression that you can. You don't need to be making use of all of those things at a time. Yep. It looks like you can kind of pick your poison a little bit and be like, cool, this is... I guess it's always the problem. When it's an RPG, you go in with the assumption of, cool, it's an RPG. There's going to be hundreds of options for me of, of how I want to play, but I pick one, right? 
it's Skyrim, so we all play as stealth archers, and that's how we go, but we could play as a dozen different things, because that's what an RPG does. Whereas when it's a first person, and it's an action game, and it's not so open, because it's a bit more level-based, there's this inclination, I found it with Doom Eternal, I think it's one of the things that got me with Doom Eternal as opposed to the first Doom, is there were a lot of different tools there, which is awesome, but I almost feel pressured and stressed out to work out, like, ah, I must have to use all of these at the same time, and I don't know how to manage them because I've not quite picked it up, yeah, and it's yeah, all yeah. come very thick and fast. <clears throat> and actually what I probably need is to be drip-fed a little bit more. It, to them, it, kind of, yeah. to, for them, I think pacing is really, really underrated because I think what a lot of people want to go is they want to go, cool, here's all the tools in the game, and now here's 40, 50 hours of gameplay because that, there's that worry of, oh, if I'm going to drip-feed you stuff all the way through the game, and you're only going to get stuff after about 15, 20 hours of gameplay, that's when you've got all of your tools. It can almost feel like, okay, now the tutorial's finished, now let's start the game, right? And I, I understand from a design perspective why that might be a bit of a worry, like, ah, shit, we don't want them to get halfway through the game, feel like they've only just gotten through the first act, and then the game is going to be over in another 20 hours, and they're going to feel like they didn't get their money's worth. I keep complaining. I want short mm. games, right? <laughs> like, so maybe it is like that's the death loop effect as well of going cool well, here's all this stuff if you just want to play it as an fps and you've got a little teleporty zippy thing do that yeah you know well, yeah anyway when you get to it we'll talk more about it but death loop is definitely my recommendation of the week and i will update you as the weeks go on amazing so pokemon unite and death loop oh <laughs> i mean anyone listening is probably not going to be able to play it because they can't get a goddamn PS5 and if you don't have a PC, you're screwed. But if you can get Deathloop, go with Deathloop. Go with it, yeah. Um, and if you can get a PS5 and you can't get Deathloop, then there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're doing that you can come and hang out with us and do instead, right? Yeah. So what are our upcoming things at the Arcade Vaults? All right. Uh, upcoming things. Uh, I'm just going to rattle these off really quickly because um, I found it self-explanatory. Uh, Saturday, this Saturday coming, which is the 3rd of October. Yeah. No, yes, 2nd of October. Sorry, 2nd of October. Is uh, Breaking the Vaults, uh, a, a monthly uh, fighting games uh, community uh, event where they South Wales fighting game community come along and they play a load of fighting games. Um, probably see some Guilty Gear Strive, some Tekken uh, 7, and possibly some Dragon Ball. Oh, uh, Dragon Ball, yeah. Uh, is always popular. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and speaking of fighting uh, games, Showtime. It's Showtime. Showtime, October the 9th. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It's a huge uh, tournament that we're going to be having here. 48 player cap. Over two floors. The Showtime guys are, um, are the ones who run our weeklies. It's going to be their first monthly since uh, post-pandemic. So it's going to be a big one. We're going to get people from all over the country coming along. So uh, I think there's still space in the singles brackets. If anyone's interested, have a look in there. Um, we are doing a community game jam with Games Wales on October the 15th. So for the from Friday to Sunday, the venue is going to be packed out with game developers. Uh, every time we run one of these, it's like, oh, is there going to be enough people? And suddenly we've got like 50 people rammed into this little tiny space and it's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, come along. Uh, you get free 
well, free pizza. You get pizza included in price of the ticket on uh, on the Friday night. Uh, that's always a good reason to come. Just come yeah. and uh, eat pizza. I mean, when I was on the community game jam front as well, it's like I, you know, I don't have a lot of background making video games, but the last one that I did was really, really fun. Like, if you think you can contribute in some way, they're trying to make a game in a very short space of time. So people power becomes very, very strong. I'm sure Absolutely. they will take you on board and they will be yeah, happy to yeah, help. Yeah. So come and get involved. It's really, really good. Um, and then we are going to probably be doing some Halloween stuff. Um, and I've written this down as Halloween stuff because we haven't actually decided what we're doing yet. But there will be some sort of uh, themed night around scary games and scary looking drinks and that kind of thing. Um, and some discounts and cheap entry and whatnot. Stuff like that will just, it will happen, but it will be obviously at the end of October. Pumpkin uh, Spice. Pumpkin it's there spice. on our menu all year round. It's just I mean, it's a little year round. I know we it's... always sell it, but Halloween pumpkin spice is. Oh, right. Halloween pumpkin spice. Yeah, we'll 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 add some mist to it or something, uh, and then uh, November uh, date in November date to be confirmed is going to be our third year birthday party. And uh, given that we couldn't do a second year birthday party, the third one's going to be big. Yes. Um, probably at the end of November. Uh, dates to be confirmed, but like I say, end of November, it will be a late one. Music, dancing, drinks, cocktails, lots and lots and lots of video games. Ooh. Yes. Cool. Yeah, and that's it for the moment. Um, if you also want to book a Christmas party with us, um, get in touch. We're booking Christmas parties now. Uh, that's what we're talking about now. Halloween, Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there you go. Yeah, it's Halloween and Christmas. Why would say on the Christmas party front is is get in touch quick. Quick, yeah. Get We've in already touch had quick. lots of inquiries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it for this week. I think that is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting one. Weirdly slow week, but you know we can talk about anything, mate. We can go we on can. forever, so it's we always could. good. Yeah, it's easy, easy for us. Go. Cool. Amazing. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into the Arcade Bots podcast. Um, as always, you can find us where you find us now. We're on YouTube. We're on your Spotify. We're on your Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. Um, you can find the Arcade Bots on all of our social media channels, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again next week. See you next week. Cheers, everyone. Bye.